Hello, everyone. I'm Jimbo Powers. Welcome back to the Jimbo Powers Show. Today, we have a special guest, Sal Jeffries. He's an instructor focused a lot on health, wellness. And yeah, we're going to learn a lot about him today. So yeah, let's bring him on. How are hey, you? Jim. So, you know, um, who are you? That's a good question. Um, so my name is Sal Jeffries. Uh, I'm a Brit. <laughs> My field of work is about human performance and behavior. So I cover psychology, emotions, and the body. So I look at these kind of three spaces. Traditionally, when we would think about psychology, we've got mindset coaching, how we think all the mental structures, perhaps blending into more of the therapeutic stuff, the psychotherapeutic arts. Emotions is in that space as well. But I also blend into the physical side of emotions, which are, which are breath work and how we breathe, so how we feel because our state is a physical experience as well as a mental one. And I'm very interested in how our body operates, how it functions in life and in business. So how our physiology is from our muscle structure to the shape of our body, to our uh, energy levels, to our mitochondria. So I'm also a strength and conditioning trainer and a very long time yoga teacher. So I look at the human system as this mind, mood and movement kind of triage and work with people in that context. So what, what first got you involved in this field? It's a great question. It goes back right to childhood. So I remember being seven years old, like really young and curious about the world, curious about other people, other children at the time. And I, I never felt like I fitted in. I was always that person who saw things a little differently, didn't quite vibe with the crowd. And I remember thinking, I've got to work on myself to, to fit in with people. I've got to work on who I am as an individual. And I was a child, you know, we in back where I grew up, we didn't have any of this kind of emotional or psychological development. But I had a quest in me at that time to figure out how how I roll, you know, what does what makes up the human mind, the self, this feeling experience of life. So that quest started really young, really young. Uh, it became a professional quest much more. I've done many things. Uh, I've worked in advertising, the, that field. Uh, I run my own businesses in the fields of um Photography, had a very successful photography business for nearly 10 years. But the real trigger of shift happened when I got to the, my late 30s. I got involved with yoga. And if anyone's practiced yoga, it's a fantastic discipline physically. But it gets you connected to your body. So it gets you very much out of your thinking mind into your physical body. And breath work as well. You can start to control your state. And I was a high-functioning, probably high-anxiety individual, super pumped, and learning how to control that state became an absolute gift. So that was really this big shift into, well, oh, let's let's learn more. So I went on to become a yoga teacher. I got fascinated. I retired from my photography business. And some years in, I realized that a, a class gym, I was teaching yoga and people would come in and they'd be all stressed. We'd do a lovely practice and they'd leave looking great. They'd feel great. And I was like, wow. They'd come back the next week looking stressed. And I'd often think, have you not learned anything to, to apply? And I realized that a lot of the time we need to understand things psychologically. So while yoga is a great discipline, understanding the mind, how we how we literally think, how we see the world is vital. So I applied to get into a, what's called a postgraduate, a beyond degree level uh, qualification in psychotherapy. That was a three, four year course. And that was the basis of all the psychological work. And then I blended that over the years to come with the body work. And in more recent times, seeing how we breathe, seeing how a person moves physically tells me a lot and helps us develop the human system really well. 
So many people look in the, I guess, um, fragmented area. So you might go to your mindset coach for particular work and you might go to your PT for another piece of work. But if we link them, you get this really powerful, cohesive effect of growth. And it's, it's not done so much. It's very much in our Western culture. We're very atomized. We've got specialists everywhere. And actually the generalist, the synchronist, the person who sees how systems work, actually, in my view, is the one that's taking things forward, certainly in the world of emotional health and personal performance. I think I remember the saying, you know, a jack of all trades is better than a master of one. You know, I think something along that lines, you know, it's a jack of all trades, not a master of one, but still better than a master of one. So it's some, some, some saying like that. But are you describing yourself as sort of a polymath? if you know what that term is. I do know what that term is. It's, I'd be careful to label myself a polymath, but it's toward that way of being. Uh, I think the expression you're alluding to is, I remember it certainly growing up, was a, if you're a jack of all trades, you're a master of none. Because it was about, if you, if you could do everything, you're actually not a master in any field. And, and I suspect there's some truth in that. So if you went to you know a cardiologist, they're really good with heart stuff. If you go to a sports scientist, they're really good with the data on sports people. Or a business coach, they're very good around business strategy. And that's a, there's a place for that. The problem I see, certainly with human performance and the emotional space, like how do we think and feel into our world, is that actually the human system, it's a brain, nervous system, fascia, muscles, biochemistry, which creates uh, all, the, all the emotions, uh, and all the thoughts, all the sort of subtle, it does work as one. So when we look at how human performance is, to look at it in isolation misses the fact that it works in systems and what I call an eco ecosystem effect. So there is absolutely a place for specialism. However, specialism can be isolated. So it, it can separate things out and leave things out. The sweet spot is to look at both. So look at the whole picture and then go, do I need to zone in? Do I need to work on one particular area more? And that's what I aim to do when we look at the, the mind area, the emotional area, and the physical area. So there's a place for both. Generalist, I think we can look at... Gen it used to be a bad term. You know, like If you're a generalist, you're nobody. But I think a generalist can hold space for a lot of things. It's a really skillful way of maneuvering through the world, how you think, how you feel, how you act. And some people are natural generalists. So it used to be shot down as not a great thing. I, I, I actually... Uh, think is a really healthy thing and it's one to leverage a polymath well i love to learn jimbo <laughs> i spend all my time i read i learn I'm... the more i learn about subject the deeper it goes uh, and of course i think the definition of a polymath is being an expert in multiple fields um it's all work in progress but that certainly is the trajectory i feel is is important for me i'm thinking back to when you were talking about also there being psychological aspects that might influence people to struggle. Do you think yoga can perhaps fix a broken worldview? It's a really good question. Um, the yoga worldview and very much the Eastern worldview. So I practice in martial arts over time and I had people who in my field are doing things like Qigong and martial arts. I think the, that, Eastern view of collective and ancient and uh, understanding from those arts and disciplines can really teach us a lot. There's nothing wrong with our Western scientific view. It has a great place and it's, it's brilliant in so many ways. 
the problem is, is there are a lot of issues in the world, you know, mental health issues, uh, performance issues, climate issues. And it would suggest that we're missing something. And if we take a, a complete systems view and see how a system works and know that systems have their own way of being, then I think there's a lot to learn from yoga. I think it's a sweet spot to have the right mindset, whether you go to the gym or the yoga class, because if your mindset is, I'm going to learn, I'm open, I'm curious, there's, there's stuff's going to come in. It's going to be good for you or about you're running your business. Whereas if you've got a quite a closed mindset and that rigidity, that's where problems generally come up because we get fixated. Like we believe this is correct or I don't believe that works. And then we're not open. We're not adaptable. Uh, and the thing that intrigues me, so we know about neurogenesis, which is the brain growing new brain cells through uh, cardiovascular training and learning. We know that the body can adapt. You go in a gym, lift some weights, your muscles change. If we create the right conditions, our human mind-body system is an adaption system. It adapts to change. So if we get sweet and understand, like, oh, how does it work? What can I do to help adapt those changes? Then it's very, uh, really powerful. And it's, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Those worldviews from yoga can help open us up. But any worldview that's different from our own, I think, is a healthy start to expand. Interesting. So are there any weird therapy experiences you've encountered? <laughs> Plenty. <laughs> I've been had um, <clears throat> my own experiences in therapy as me as uh, being therapized uh, and I'm obviously doing my own therapy. I think the weirdest thing started for me was... When, when my sort of school of psychotherapy was looking to talk to the body. So if someone, if, if, if you're feeling anxious about something, uh, perhaps the, the pervasive view is there's something wrong with your mind or there's something up with your mind. It's a thinking issue. And I remember my old master, she would be, she'd say to me, okay, and where's that in your body? Where's that connected in your body? Now I have a reasonably high level of kinesthetic awareness. So I can feel my body. Some have more, some have less. But, and that question I remember the first time I was asked it and I said, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not about my body. It's, it's my thinking. And she was like, yes, but your, your mind is embodied. The brain and the nervous system flow through the body. All the connective tissues and the muscles have got information streams that go back to the brain. And there are people called, uh, it was Dr. Ernest Rossi did a lot of work in this. More recently, uh, Antonio Damasio, he's a neuroscientist, looks at the body does something like a, a, a physical expression, like a sensation along with how we think and to start with it can seem a bit odd people asking you about you know, what's happening in your body as you're dealing with a challenge at work but actually there's a connection somewhere that your body is doing that once you get used to it it's the most normal conversation uh, so for sure at the beginning anything new can be alien to the human mind human mind's like oh i don't know that so i don't like it <laughs> i can't trust it it's, it's a threat detection system kicks in but it doesn't mean it's not worth knowing or worth trying. And I think that's why well, some of these weird and wacky things. Um, yes, I've been chanting, tried Reiki, all these various different modalities and been curious. Some things seem to have worked. Uh, acupuncture worked for me many years ago and other things haven't worked at all. So I think one of the interesting things is if, if the open, mind is open, maybe something will be good for each of us if we, if we give it a shot. How do you think people can have an open mind? safety an open mind is predicated we need to feel safe that's the first fundamental human need if 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 we don't feel safe uh, and i'm talking mostly about psychological safety in our modern world not physical safety i hope for some for many people but 
physically we need to be safe full stop but mentally and emotionally you need to feel safe it's a it's safe for you to ask me a question or i i'm into you know so we're, we're in a safe space and, and i feel okay i feel safe if for any reason we don't feel safe such as i might be judged uh i might be humiliated i, I might look silly uh, i might not know what i'm saying so i don't want to speak up any of these natural human phenomena that we all have if we don't feel safe enough then we can close down we we go back to what we know our belief structure our cultural upbringing and then we we're, we're locked into an ideology or worldview so first and foremost to 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 shift worldview is how can we help a person feel safe that i see you and i'll listen to you and i'll i'll listen hear what you got to say as opposed to i won't listen to you and i'll shut you down so creating safety is our first i think if you're looking to help someone open the worldview create safety if you're wanting your wealth you to grow find safety how do you think your 7 year old self would view you now oh that's a lovely question the man you are today <laughs> he'd be fascinated he would be fascinated um he he'd be fascinated that because the world that i grew up in i was born in the early 70s so i've been around a long time uh, and that future that was put out that that i was going to live into and that should live into and do all these things it's very different world now it's a very different world some for some some really good stuff about this new world we live in and some not so good i think he would have loved the fact that i've had to overcome so much fear you know, i was very much born around a lot of fear patterns in my life my my parents were born in the war second world war there's history and trauma from that so there's, there's lots of things that kind of carried through and as i've got older and understood how these things work I've been able to face them. And that sweet young kid, uh, I think he would have loved the courage I've finally been able to develop as an adult. Um I think he'd be fascinated that I understand the human mind and 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 generally love that world because that wasn't on the table at school. You know, we learned the boring stuff, maths, English. <laughs> They didn't teach us like how do we t- how do we think? How do we feel? You know, how, how does the world really operate? So I think he would be fascinated if he was to meet modern day me about what i do and and how i've um how i've had to overcome a lot of stuff no it hasn't been easy for me this life it's been challenging in many ways uh, and that's why i lead and i hopefully bring strength to other people and give gifts to other people of skill and knowledge because they weren't there for me when i was growing up and and i like to impart that as as much as i can is it okay if we could go deeper into those challenges yeah. sure so what types of challenges were you going through at that young age i would say the biggest challenge was feeling different feeling out of the crowd and and actually not feeling safe either there was a lot of quite um rough kids where i grew up it says bullying and um that kind of thing and as a quite a gentle kid who was into playfulness and dreamy uh, star wars was out when i was a kid you know loved all that stuff you know bashing people and getting into fights was not how i wanted to be and yeah that was a lot of the the male environment i was in so yeah i i think being out of the group unable to be part of this much more let's say quite aggressive behavior this very traditional masculine behavior was not only confusing it was also quite scary which meant i if i didn't know what to do i would shut down and kind of hide away which we know in modern terms is the freeze response so when did you start embarking on your journey to this kind of indian philosophy 
Well, curiously, I lived I lived in a place for some time in my early 30s and they had a what's called a philosophy group and a bunch of people met up on a Tuesday night and they, they talked philosophy. I'd, I'd always been curious about philosophy. I, I never had the privilege to do it at school. It wasn't what they taught at my school. I went to a very uh, regular school. But I was always curious with philosophy. So I went along and what I didn't realise, they were connected to, so it was the, called the London School of Philosophy and they're connected to the London School of Economic Science. And I've learned over time that they're, they're actually closely connected, economics and philosophy, certainly this school. And they use what was called Advaita Vedanta, which means in Sanskrit non-duality as their basis, what they kind of taught and shared. And they added in other things such as um, Soc- Socratic thinking, all the kind of phys- philosophical thoughts. But it was really based around an Indian principle about non-duality, because in our world, certainly in the UK where I grew up, there's a lot of duality. And this Indian principle about, well, actually, there's a oneness. And I was like, oh, that's really intriguing. It sounds like the force from the Star Wars or um, uh, the Tao from Chinese or um, universal consciousness. There's lots of labels we call this. You can call it the zero point field in quantum physics. But this connection really intrigued me. And so I, I kept going. I went every week and I went for eight years. I was going to go for like, you know, a couple of weeks and just meet some local people. And I went for eight years and that really was the start. So we got into the yoga, yoga connected philosophy to some degree first. And then after that, I got involved in the physical practice of yoga. But when we look at non-duality, it's very interesting about thinking that things have a connection at their root. So even like male and female for male and female energy, for example, People, uh, yin yang. You know, most people know the yin yang symbol. Curious in our in often Western culture, we say yin and yang as if it's two things, and it's incorrect. It's yin yang. It's one thing with two different aspects or different polarities. So when we look at it through that non-duality, it's not yin and yang, you know, black and white, male and female. It's yin yang. It's male female or black white. So there's this cohesion and I thought, and, I, and this was a really beautiful understanding that helped open up my thinking around, oh, so maybe things aren't as separate as I thought. There's a lot of connection in our deeper way of being. And that, that that's a really heartwarming thing. You know, it, it, it leads to connection you know, between people, you know, between us and the planet and all these, you know, all the connections, as opposed to we're separate and and we're different. So if Indian philosophy was a soundtrack, what would it be? Great question. For me, it would be something like melodic beats. It would have rhythm, it would have pulse, it would have layers, and it would have continuity. And it would have this kind of flowy, flowing nature to it. Um, Tribal in a way, perhaps almost into a trance-esque sound. That's how I would hear it. So... Now that you've sort of solidified your career, do you have any big client success stories? Many. Yeah, many. So many of my people I've worked with coming to me with a stress issue, a problem issue. Normally, there's something that's not working. They're stuck. Most people come to me roughly around the age of 40. It's a curious thing. There seems to be something around that time of life where people have an existential problem or existential question they, they might have a job or they might have a business and they have a family that there's something there's like an itch in the mind that's waking them up and it's like i there's something up there's something wrong and 
I had a guy not not too long back, and he was a, a successful media company owner, um, very dynamic business. Certainly today's world, with a lot of media being you know such a powerful force, successful on on the surface, you know, running a company, high net worth, and yet had carried this story from his childhood that he just wasn't good enough, and then the overriding emotional pattern was high anxiety. Now, if he went to a regular doctor, he would have probably been given a label of generalized anxiety disorder or some of these labels. There's a place for labels, but labels are static and anxiety is a dynamic thing. So it's, it doesn't quite fit in, in my experience. And we worked on the expression, like, you know, what do you do with your anxiety? How do you breathe is the first thing. If, if I've got a person who's mouth breathing and upper chest breathing, they're in the stress response. If I can teach them the fundamentals about a nasal breath and a diaphragm breath, we are already changing the physiology of the stress response. Super simple, changes so much. So we start there. And then we unpack this person's journey. And, and the narrative that they held was they had worked so hard to prove themselves. And, you know, some of the payoffs were, well, you've, you've got lots of net worth and you're really successful with your business. But this is, the success was a little empty. You know, they just didn't feel good enough or bad enough. So we did the deep work, the question around the story. So we got the anxiety pattern starting to come under control. Start to understand the trigger of the anxiety. What's at stake? What is threatening you? And then the more and more we got to that deeper level, it was, it's a really curious thing. It's about connecting to archetypes. So for this individual, the archetype of the father and that relationship to his father and what his father meant to him. And it's not so much his actual father, but the idea of the father, that he's got to be this because his, his father said that. So when you're living by these archetypal patterns, then you can look at those. That's what I look at. Are you operating from a victim archetype? Are you coming from a savior archetype? And then look at the archetypes with gentleness and go, is that, is that relevant today? Is it relevant in your business or in your family? And what's at stake if you didn't do it? So then we start to unpack... Um, it's a little like putting on different clothing. Yeah, you might have a clothing to go out and clothing to go to work. It's understanding the psychological clothing you wear and realize, is it right? You know, you wear gym wear to the gym, not to the business meeting. So it's the same with your mindset. And that's the archetype you bring. And the curious thing, the more we unpack this, this person went from being a highly stressed, and he'd had stress, he said, since childhood into his early 40s. So we're talking... 30 plus years of an adult's life has caused him unending problems. In a year, of course he has anxiety. It's a natural response, but he has an anxious response when it comes and it comes up and it drops away. We're done. I, I, he's on his way now. I don't need to coach him anymore. Uh, and this person now is strong. He's self-aware. He's confident and there's a sense of peace. And that is such a beautiful thing to have. Money can't buy a sense of peace. So, yes, and, and many people I work with have these, you know, these these chapters of life that we have to go and understand and then bring it up to date. This has been an excellent interview. Thank you. To end this off, can you maybe give a pivotal transformation moment that you had that might help influence the audience here as well? What I'd love to share is a very simple yet profound process that I invite my clients to do uh, and I invite you and your listeners to do uh, that really captures this 
philosophy and practice of looking at the mind and looking at our emotions and body as one system. Uh, and it goes like this. So if you're, if you're listening now and it's safe to do so, check in first and foremost with how you're breathing. It's the easiest go-to. So start to notice how you're breathing. So both this tunes into our emotional state and our physiology, our physical body. So notice how you're breathing. Feel the body, as if, you, if your chest moves, your diaphragm moves, with the air coming in and out. And start to bring your attention and ask the question, what's happening in my body? What do I feel? And do I feel warm, achy, sitting on a chair, standing up? Where, what, what do you physically feel? Start to connect with the physiology of you. The muscles, the weight of your arms, if you're just holding them up, the feeling of your jaw muscles, your skin. Feel your body. So what's happening in my body is question number one. And as you start to connect with that, simply with interest, then you can start to connect with how do I feel emotionally. You might be stressed, you might be curious, you might be tired. It's all, ah, that's interesting, that's where I'm at right now. This is how I feel. So we're becoming self-aware and it's this witness consciousness. So rather than I have anxiety, it's mm, I'm having a hot feeling in my cheeks, my, my shoulders are tight and I'm starting to feel unsafe is a better description. So what's happening in my body? What's happening in my emotions? And then lastly, go to your mind. What's happening in my thinking? Are my thoughts all over the place? Am I judging somebody? Am I judging myself? Am I just making, am I binge thinking, like thinking, thinking, thinking? Can I be interested in that thought process? Oh, that's interesting. I can even watch my own thoughts. How clever am I? Very clever. And this act of noticing from physical, emotional, to mental, can really, really help get us present and into a conscious state such as, you know, I can relax a little bit right now. Or I need to be strong because I've got a challenging event coming up. I've got this. If you dial into those three spaces, take a couple of minutes, so much comes online because we are using the prefrontal cortex of the brain. We have connected all the neurons into the muscles, into the fascia, our breaths under control. And we start to become a conscious, present, open human being. And that's a really powerful place to come from. Um, so I invite, I invite you, Jimbo, and I invite our listeners today. Three questions. What's happening in my body? Check that. What's happening in my emotions? Check that. And what's happening in my thinking? And when you've done those, that, that work through, notice. I, I guarantee something will shift. Because the act of noticing is an act of separation, which gives us some some skill and a lot of control. All right. Thank you again, Mr. Jeffries. And I'd also like to thank everyone else for watching this show. I'll see you next time. This is JPTV.